Well, it's been another strange week for many of us, hasn't it? What we'd usually be doing day by day looks very different than this time last year. Some of us are still working, but even then there are many changes to get used to. Kids and teachers have been on school holidays this past few weeks, but it probably hasn't felt like a normal holiday for many. The truth is, is that life has changed for many of us, and it's brought many new challenges and new routines. But I'm convinced, however, that there is an upside to this strange time. For in the midst of the changes that we're facing to life as we know it, we can also be making good changes, good habits in the way that we relate to God, setting up good habits that uh, we can take into life when things get back into whatever the new normal will look like. This is why we've begun this new series titled Life Changing, Seven Habits of the Fully Devoted Follower of Jesus. Now, why seven habits, you might ask? Well, the truth is, is that there could be many that we could choose, but we've based this on the title of, uh, the title of this series on a book uh, that uh, is very popular in, uh, in the world at the moment um, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Steve Covey. Unlike Covey, however, the seven habits that we've chosen to focus on in this series are driven from the practices God recommends in his word that enhance and develop our relationship with him. And so the seven habits we'll be looking at in this series are prayer and fasting, meditation and study of God's word, celebration and Sabbath rest, serving and submission, confession and self-examination, spiritual guidance and sharing our faith. Our prayer and hope is that as we train ourselves in each of these seven areas of godliness, as we heard last week, they will eventually become habits that will enhance our daily devotion of God, bring true joy to our lives and help us to live according to God's will in everything we do. And so the first of the habits we're going to look at today is to develop a vibrant and engaging prayer life. But before we jump in, it's only appropriate that I now turn to our Heavenly Father in prayer, asking that he will teach us what we need to know so we can begin to train ourselves in this area of godliness. Will you please join me as I pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that we have this opportunity now to take um, stead, to take uh, this opportunity to uh, think through this area of prayer, uh, the privilege that it is to be able to come before you and, uh, and what it is and how we can be um, doing this in our regular lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is prayer? Well, at the risk of stating the obvious, Prayer is simply talking to God. Now, I recognise that we probably all know this, but sometimes it's important to state the obvious, especially in the light of the different views that many people have about prayer these days. You see, some will say that prayer is just a matter of speaking, of speaking and listening. But the Bible doesn't talk about prayer in that way. Sure, we do need to listen to God, and we do this every time, of course, we open up the Word. But the, uh, but the Bible speaks of prayer as simply and unashamedly speech from us to God. You see, when the, Jesus, uh, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, this is what Jesus said. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. In the same way, prayer is not just an attitude of the mind or a set of pious thoughts 
or an action, doing something in a prayerful way, all these ideas may be ways we can respond to God, but when we pray, we're simply talking to God. Now, at first, that may not sound all, ex- all that exciting. I mean, we talk all the time. We talk to people every day. But don't lose the awesome privilege that prayer is. For every time we pray, we are talking to God. And more specifically, we are talking to the God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we take a little bit of time now to stop and reflect on what each of these revelations of God teach us about the God that we're praying to, it should blow our minds that we can at any time, in any place, talk to God. And that our prayers will not only be heard by God, but become a part of his divine conversation between the Father, Son and Holy Spirit's. So though it's true to say that prayer is simply talking to God, I want to suggest today that it may help us to expand that definition just a little to see prayer as talking to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. Prayer is talking to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. You see, when we rightly understand who it is we're praying to, it makes all the difference to how confident we may be in talking with them. If your picture of God is that of a cranky and mean judge that is, looking, that is looking out to catch you out in every little mistake you make, then this will impact the way you approach him. But if you see him as a loving father who cares for you and wants what is best for you, then you might be more willing to talk with him about what really matters to you. And that, of course, is exactly what we find in the Bible. The God we speak to has revealed himself as our loving heavenly father. And it's to this father that we're called to pray to. And this father who we are told answers our prayers. In the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, he begins by saying, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. And then in verse 13, a little later, he explains how willing our father, his father, is to answer our prayers. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? At the time of his greatest distress in the garden, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, this direct and intimate cry to the Father can be ours as well. Now that we are God's children, with God's spirit within us, we too cry out, Abba, Father, literally Dad. But how is it possible for us to come before the Father into his presence when he is so holy and blameless and we are so imperfect and tainted by sin? Well, the answer, of course, is that we have a mediator between us and the Father, the man Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. In fact, Hebrews 4, that we had read for us, puts it this way. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is to the Father that we direct our prayers, and it's only possible because of the atoning work of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus does more than this. He, as our high priest, prays on behalf of um, to the Father, on our behalf to the Father. We see this in Hebrews 7. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. As we kneel before God to make our requests, we see the same son who died for us so that we could be in a relationship with God, now at the Father's side pleading our case. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that a deeply comforting thought. To know that Jesus is praying for us to the Father. We are therefore not called to pray to Jesus specifically, although there are a few scriptures that do that, but to the Father through Jesus. That is, in his name, knowing that Jesus stands at the Father's side praying for us. It gives us a whole depth of meaning to the formula that we often use in our prayers when we finish our prayers with, in the name of Jesus... Amen, or for Jesus' sake, amen, doesn't it? But it's not just the Father and the Son that is involved in our prayer life. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is also involved in the process of prayer, granting us access to the Father and the Son. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, we read, For through Him, that is Jesus, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. In fact, in that Romans 8 passage that was read for us, we heard that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Reading again from verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, um, with words, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. You see, friends, there are times when we're unable to pray in a way that expresses our deepest needs. There are also times when we're unable to pray according to God's perfect will. Is at these times that the Spirit Himself comes to rescue us by praying on our behalf, interceding in accordance with God's will. Despite our best efforts to verbalize our prayers, the Spirit presents those requests to the Son and to the Father as His best for us. Again, I don't know about you, but I find this a great source of comfort to know that God will hear our greatest needs even when we don't even know how to verbalize them ourselves. I remember talking with someone a little while back whose son was diagnosed with cancer. His chances of survival seemed very slim at the time. The sad thing was this was actually the second child that this lady would lose to cancer. What do you pray for in that situation? I did try and pray a prayer for her and her son. But you know... If I understand this passage correctly, it tells me that the Spirit is translating that feeble prayer I prayed into a prayer that's so well formulated that it perfectly complies with the will of God. And so in effect, in my feeble prayer, I actually prayed the perfect prayer. How awesome is that? 
Can you see how all this radically changes our understanding of prayer? We're not praying so to somehow change the mind of God, and in particular a stubborn God. No, we're praying to the loving Father, knowing that Jesus also prays for us as our intercessor, and with the knowledge that the words we speak to God will be perfected by the Spirit as he presents our prayers to the Son and to the Father. What we are invited then to every time we pray is into the Godhead himself. By the grace of God, our prayers are part of their divine conversation. We come confidently before the throne of God the Father, united in Jesus through his death and in the Spirit every time we pray. Now let me say it again. How awesome is that? Well, if Jesus is praying for us, and the Holy Spirit is praying for us, and the Father is listening and answering to these prayers, well, what role do we then have in, in prayer? I mean, does God need us to pray at all? Now, at one level, the answer is no. God doesn't need us to pray. It's not as though nothing in this world would happen if we didn't pray, as though he was some kind of divine vending machine that can only give what, um, what he has if the right button is pressed. And yet by his amazing grace and mercy, God wants us to pray and chooses to use our prayers to achieve his very purposes. He doesn't need us to pray, but he includes, us in our, in his, in, he includes our prayers in his decisions every time we pray. Well, friends, this is the awesome privilege of prayer. And it's something that we can do in any time in any place, talking to our Heavenly Father about what is on our hearts, thanking Him for all that He does for us, all the things we have and enjoy, and asking Him to meet our needs and the needs of those around us. But like everything, it takes some training to get used to doing it so that it becomes a good habit and feels more natural for as wonderful as prayer is, I'm sure it's the experience of many of us that we struggle to pray. Now, there are all sorts of reasons for that, and we're going to look into some of those later in this series. But one of them is that it's just not a natural thing to do at first. So let me finish this talk with some practical steps that might help us to take the next steps in developing a vibrant and meaningful prayer time with our Heavenly Father. The first is this. Although it's true that we can pray at any time, anywhere, in our heads or out loud, I personally have found it helpful to carve out some time each day where I can be free from other distractions and where I can speak out loud without being self-conscious that someone is watching or listening to me. Now, why do I pray out loud and not just in my head? Well, I found that it helps me to stay on track with my prayers not let my mind drift off into solving what I'm praying about or what else is going on that day. Some have found writing their prayers out in a journal very helpful, writing to God what they want to speak to him about. I found that particularly helpful in combining that with my reading of the Bible, but we'll talk more about that next week. Another popular way to help prioritise prayer is fasting. I wish I had time to explore this um, with us through the scriptures, but it's been the practice of God's people throughout the ages to take on this practice of fasting. Now, fasting is simply going without a meal 
or a number of meals if you choose. And allowing the desire to eat reminds you to pray. Often people will fast if they have something particularly urgent to pray for, allowing them time and space and even that feeling of desperation because you're hungry to help them focus their minds in their prayers. Now, friends, there are some dangers in this whole fasting reality, and I haven't got time to go through those, so you might want to ask me about those later. But, um, but it is a practice that can be very, very helpful in focusing our time for prayer. Finally, I want to leave you with two resources that I think are particularly helpful in this vital part of our Christian lives, and, and, and particularly if it's not a habit that you've yet developed. The first is a free app for our smartphones or iPads called Prayer Mates. This app has helped me enormously to organise my prayers and ensure I keep praying for the things that truly matter to me and to God. It mixes up my prayer points each day so that I do not always pray for the same prayers each day and has a number of resources that helps me to pray for God's wider world and his wider purposes, like Operation World and the Voice of the Martyrs, as well as some set prayers like the Lord's Prayer and sections of Paul's prayers from the Scriptures, all of which are helpful as we try to work through prayer each day. If you haven't got this app, download it today and start using it. You will not regret it. It is actually one of my favourite apps on my phone. The second resource I want you to invite, I invite you to use with me over the next four weeks, if you want to make prayer something that becomes much more natural and a habit, is a new book released from Matthias Media written by Stephen Sheed called Growing in Prayer. This short book helps us to get started in prayer with 28 short devotions that teach us to pray in response to what we are reading. Now, it's the first book of this kind to my knowledge, and I'm going to start using it from this Monday. So I'm going to put the, um, the link into um, the feeds as we're watching um, now, and uh, that will give you the opportunity to just go straight there. You can get the book for $11, although that'll take a few days to get to you, or you can just get it in a PDF version and, um, and start with me on Monday. I'd love you to join me on that journey. Now, why am I doing that? Well, because I love God. And I want to grow in this area of my relationship with him over these next weeks. Remember, our devotion to God, it's not a work that we must do, but a relationship that we're invited into. Our devotion to God will naturally lead to prayer, not because we have to, but because we want to, as we share with our Heavenly Father what's on our hearts and what's on our minds. Well, we're now going to hear from a young man who I believe has really got this. I've been really encouraged by Mikhail Barnes from our Saturday night service over the past few years. Mikhail's one of our youth leaders, and he's um, been here at Menai Anglican Church for a number of years now. But in the last couple of years, I've noticed he's had a real passion for inviting people to pray with him for our church and for God's work in the world. So I've asked Punchy if he'd interview Mikhail for us so that we might capture just some of this passion that Mikhail has for prayer um, and uh, why it's worth us training ourselves in this area of godliness and the rewards that will come from that. So over to you, Punchy.